We're reminded that we weren't made for this. We're reminded that it can't end like this. And we're reminded that all hope is not lost. Hey, this is Taylor and welcome back to Elevate Retake. We want you to experience faith as the continual everyday process of learning more about the Bible, ourselves, and God. And we believe that this podcast will be just what you need to come to a closer relationship with God. Before we actually get into the message today, I wanted to remind you that starting this week, we will be releasing two episodes per week. Yes, there will be two. The first one, which you are listening to now, will be the message shared by Pastor Michael that is recorded at our weekly worship gathering. And then the second one, which will be released on Thursdays each week, will be a conversation between Pastor Michael and I digging deeper into the message and giving it, in a sense, a retake. So today's episode title is The Return. Your engage question is where are we now? Key passage we'll be looking at is found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 32 through 35, which reads, Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. A key theme we will be looking at is given everything going on in our crazy world, we can have the assurance that Jesus is coming back soon. Welcome home. There's always room for one more. I offer you to you this morning, no matter who finds themselves in the White House of the United States or anywhere else in the world, that God is still on his throne. And I heard from him this morning and he's looking after us. It's a question that was asked a moment ago. Where are we now? In the span of Earth's history, as things seem to be winding up to some type of cataclysmic cacophony of something, where are we now? The current state of affairs in our country should give us pause, and we must ask ourselves this question. My heart's been heavy this week asking this question myself, studying scripture, saying, God, what, where are we now? God, where, what word do you have for your people? God, in the unfolding of earth's history, where are we now? Bow your heads with me as we pray. God of the universe, God of heaven and earth, we thank you so much that we still have the opportunity to come and worship. We're gathered here today as a faith community. We call it Elevate, Keene Seventh-day Adventist Church. God, I'm thankful. Thankful that we get to celebrate Sabbath together. I'm thankful that you've given us another week. God, as we're here in your presence, we're longing from a word from on high. I pray you send your Holy Spirit even now. That what you've written in Scripture 2,000 years ago that I've spent time in this week would somehow be translated in a way that would touch every heart and mind in this space. And those watching online and listening later, God. So God, we give you this time. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
So a number of years ago, I was a wee small lad of, I think, a very strong two years old. I think it was about two years old, maybe two and a half, something like that. And uh, my dad's a pastor, a retired pastor now, uh, sitting over there. My mom's there with him. And uh, we were moving from the great, wonderful last frontier of Alaska down to a little state by the name of Arkansas. Now, if you've ever looked at a map, and I, I googled it this week, if you go from Acreage, Alaska, which is where we were living, to Little Rock, Arkansas, which is where we were moving to, it's almost 4,000 miles that separate the two. And if you were to drive that straight through, it would take you 64 hours, driving the speed limit, of course, to make it from Anchorage, Alaska, to Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, we're moving, right? So we're not just in this little speedy car that can get there. We've got a big U-Haul towing a car behind, I think. And I don't remember all of this, but I'm sharing this story with you as it has been shared with me with maybe a little bit of uh, tainting for myself. It can take you five days to get from mainland Alaska back down to the lower 48. Two days east and three days south before you even hit the United States again. And then multiply that over and over again to get us all the way down to Arkansas. And you can imagine my two-year-old self is tired of being in this U-Haul. And by the way, the muffler fell off, right? In Kansas? I think it was in Kansas the muffler fell off. Now, you don't know what wonders mufflers do for cars, and especially big vehicles. Now that the muffler's gone, you've got all of the engine sound and the vehicle is vibrating and... It was, it was a horrendous trip. But we're getting to the border of Arkansas in a town called Fort Smith. We pulled off to the side of the road at a rest area, and my mom let me get out of my car seat, which was her first mistake, because I didn't want to get back in. We had gone so far. This trip, this trip has been so long. I'm done with this vehicle. I don't want to get back in the car seat. Well, at that age, I hadn't tasted so much the sweet nectar that is carbonated sugar water. You may know it as soda, right? Pop? Anybody? Coke? Yeah? Okay. Well, here's what happened. Took me over to the vending machine. Said, hey, we can get you a Sprite. I said, that would be fantastic. First mistake on my part. Because we got the Sprite. We go back over to the vehicle. Says, all right, you've got to get back up in your car seat and buckled in before you can have a taste of that Sprite. That was my second mistake, because I got back in the car seat, and then I got my Sprite, and then I realized that I had been had. My mother had pulled the wool over my eyes, and I was back in this rattled trap of a moving vehicle, and I was trapped in. But here's what she told me. She said, hey, it's going to be all right. You just take a little nap. When you wake up, we're going to be at our destination. And that was good enough for me. And I imagine like right as we're pulling out of the, the rest stop, my head hit my shoulder and we were good to go for the rest of the trip. But in that moment, what I appreciated so much, and I laugh about it now and I feel like I, I had been had at two years old, but my mother had some wise words. She had a little bit of hope and a little bit of encouragement for me that though the journey had been long and difficult, that we were reaching the end of it, and that if I just trusted her, 
we would see the final destination. He who has an ear, she who has an ear, let them hear what God is speaking to you today because I think that story is so apropos for the world that we're living in now. If I could finish that journey in a U-Haul, I think we're going to be all right. No, that's probably not saying much. Well, here's the thing. Starting a series this week called The Return, looking at several parables that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 24. Well, we've got to check out the context first before we dive in. Matthew 23, Jesus is teaching in the temple. He's talking to the crowds that had assembled there. And by the way, in Matthew 23, it's not going to be more than three or four days and Jesus will be dead. He'll be crucified. And he's in the temple gathered with the people and he's teaching them and he's telling them to watch out for false prophets, to watch out for the religious leaders, watch out for the people that are speaking publicly. Be careful now, Michael. To watch out for those who might lead them astray. And then he turns his attention directly to the religious leaders themselves. And he says, woe to you, Pharisees and scribes. Woe to you, Pharisees and scribes. And he gets down to brass tacks and says, you are a brood of vipers. You're snakes because you're oppressing the people and you're not understanding what the gospel is really about. Jesus gets serious with the religious leaders and serious with the people. It's getting close to the final words that he will share before he offers his last breath here on this earth. His tone is different this time. His, there's an urgency in his voice. And we pick up the story. Matthew 24, verses 1 and 2. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished and not one stone will be left on another. Put yourself in the shoes of the disciples for a moment. They've just been hearing Jesus speak about a whole lot of things. And it's scary because their world is starting to get turned upside down. The people and the things that they had beginning to, to place their hope in that had defined their life are starting to be shattered right in front of them. They're holding on to the last vestiges of what their faith was all about. Because in reality, the temple for the disciples had become the center of the Jewish expression of worship. It was what represented to them God on earth. And imagine this for a moment. They're talking to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, pointing out a temple that was supposed to point to Jesus. And they're saying, Jesus, look at this beautiful building. Look at all of the things that this represents for my faith. And Jesus says, let me, let me be real honest with you guys. This building that you hold on to, the faith that you're placing in these religious leaders, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to be totally and utterly destroyed. And not 40 years later, in A.D. 70, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. And they were left to destruction. Could it be this morning that sometime this week, this month, this year, we've turned to Jesus and pointed out, what represents our faith? 
hey, see that church building, Jesus? You see this representation of what your community is supposed to look like? And instead of focusing on Jesus, we've taken our eyes off Jesus himself and have looked to the thing that is supposed to be reflecting him and saying, isn't everything just going to be okay? And might I say in the troubled world that we live in, where are we placing our trust in these fortuitous times? Because it can be easy even for us to place trust in our local and national leaders and say, oh, they're going to be the ones that are just going to make everything okay. And if my guy can get into the White House, things are just going to be all right. I like our form of government but it cannot supersede our trust in God. No matter what we face in life, Jesus is calling us to place our trust in him. I invite you today to think about what the symbols of your hope are. What are you holding on to that you might point out to Jesus and say, Jesus, isn't this great? But Jesus says, hold on, that's not going to get you to the place that I'm talking about. So the disciples are interested They're wanting to dialogue with Jesus just a little bit more about what he's talking about. And so they turn to him in verse 3 of Matthew 24. It's a little bit later on. Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives. His disciples come to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And might that not be the question that's brooding in our minds. Jesus, when's all this going to go down? We see reverberations around us, but for real, when are you coming back? What's the sign that we can look towards to know unequivocally that you're on your way? It's the questions that the disciples ask Jesus. And Jesus tells them, Matthew 24, verse 4, continuing on for verse 11, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Continues on. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. And he's not finished yet. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated over, uh, you'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. He's not done yet. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Jesus takes his disciples down through and says, this is what you've got to look for. There's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be famines, there's going to be false prophets, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, but hold on, that's only the beginning There's going to be persecution because of my name. There's going to be people turning away from me. And yes, the love of many will grow cold. But hold on, that's only the beginning. False prophets increase wickedness. But hold on, it's not quite time yet. 
because the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the end of the world, and then the end will come. Jesus to the disciples is speaking specifically in this moment to the time that's coming in their lives where Jerusalem will be destroyed. And their entire lives will be turned completely upside down. He's speaking specifically about the prophetic event of the destruction of Jerusalem. But throughout this as well, Jesus is interweaving the final days of earth's history. Jesus' point through all of this is not to give the disciples on X day at X time, that's when I'm coming. He's wanting them to understand that they must be ready at a moment's notice. That it might sneak up on them unaware and they need to know the signs in order to understand what is to come. The disciples asked for a specific sign and Jesus gives them signs. And so how do, how do we respond? Where are we now? Where are we in all of this? Jesus helps us out with a little, bit, a little parable in Matthew 24, 32 through 35. It says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, even right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Jesus says, hold on for a moment. Think in your mind's eye of what a fig tree looks like. I've got three fig trees in my backyard, in our side yard, and I affectionately prune them every year because fig trees grow like weeds. Anybody taken care of a fig tree before? You have to keep up with a fig tree because they're just, they're going to take over. But every year at about this time, the leaves start to crinkle up. And, you know, in Texas, we don't really experience fall. We just experience like summer and then it kind of gets nice and then it's just dead, right? Things just, we go, we go into fall. You know, you go up north, up in Michigan, uh, the trees turn these beautiful, lovely shades of yellow and red and all that. No, here in Texas, we go from green to brown, and we do it very quickly and very effectively, right? Green to brown, green to brown. But every spring, even though the fig tree loses all of its leaves, and it almost looks dead, as if nothing's going to happen with it, all of a sudden these little green buds start to come out of the fig tree. And Jesus says, look, look at the fig tree. Look, when the leaves come, the leaves tell us that summer is near. Summer is not here yet, but summer is near. And applying this to the, the scenes that Jesus has just unfolded and the signs that he's provided for us. He says, when you see earthquakes, when you see famines, when you see the rise of nationalism, when you see false prophets, when you see wars and rumors of wars around you, know that the end is near. Summer is coming, but it's not here yet. But it's just right around the corner. The leaves aren't summer. They only tell us that summer is coming. And we can be reminded by the words of Jesus looking at the fig tree. When we look at the leaves, when we see the leaves of life around us, we're reminded that this world is not our home. 
We're reminded that we weren't made for this. We're reminded that it can't end like this. And we're reminded that all hope is not lost. See, when the disciples asked Jesus, what's the sign? He gives them multiple signs. And those were to stand for the disciples as reminders for centuries to come that Jesus is coming And I believe that even now we've seen a heightening of these signs. We're at Hurricane Ada, right? We're in the Greek letters now. We've gone through all the the English alphabet. Now we're into the Greek. Think about all the wildfires that we've been seeing this year. Uh, Did we forget we're in a global pandemic? Uh, There's bickering, to put it lightly, over in uh, D.C. There's just a lot of things going on in the world around us. And we would be remiss if we did not look and see everything going on and hold on to the hope that Jesus is coming back. The return is soon. He's coming. So where are we now and what do we do? Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Jesus tells the disciples, So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day the Lord is coming. Tells a parable about Noah and says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man and telling us how, how evil the world is going to be and how love is just going to seem like this thing that we can't even grasp. But Jesus looks affectionately to his disciples and says, don't lose hope here. The signs that you see around him, keep watch. Be a lookout on the city wall and point it out to other people. Say, this isn't the time for us to lose hope because Jesus, the King, the Savior that I serve, he told me when I see these things, he's going to be coming back very, very soon. The return is near. Jesus advocates for careful observance of the world that we live in. Not a crippling fear. We can doom scroll all day on Twitter and news and everything else going on and get to a place in our lives that's dark and nasty. Jesus says, don't let that fear cripple you. Don't let the signs make you afraid. Just keep looking and watching for me to come back. I believe there's been a shift in our world this year. 2020 has been nothing like we've ever seen before. And not just in a national sense, in a global sense, but even in our own lives. There are those of us in this space or watching online or listening later that have lost loved ones this year. Pillars in our lives that we couldn't even imagine living without have all of a sudden, they're gone. Resting peacefully, awaiting the return of God. Our whole livelihoods have been turned upside down. It can be difficult to hold on and to grasp to certainty in the midst of uncertainty. Just talking to someone this morning, and they were saying, yes, I finally got a job. I've been applying for jobs since February, and I finally got one last month. I'm praising God because of that. This world, this year has been like nothing else before. Where are we now? We're in the middle of some yuckiness. But Jesus gently reminds us that this yuckiness lets us know he's coming soon. There's a habit my wife Melissa and I have uh, whenever we're out and about doing our things during the day and we're about to come home and the other person is home. 
will send each other a text message or call and say, hey, I'm on my way home. Letting each other know that we can expect the other very soon. And I think about what we've seen this week and what we've seen this year and everything that we've seen that we've observed, it's kind of like that text message or that phone call. No, we don't send each other like tornado emojis or hurricane emojis or like, you know, none of that. But God's sending us a text message. He's giving us a phone call saying, hey, I'm coming back soon. I'm coming back soon. And I don't know about you, but in the world that we live in today and everything that we've gone through this week, the one thing that I hold on to is the hope that Jesus is coming back. Came 2,000 years ago, died to save us from our sins, and he left with a promise. Said, don't worry, I'll leave someone behind for you that's going to walk through you all of this. I've got to go get things ready for you. And whether Jesus comes back this afternoon or 50 years from now, I hold on to the hope that his return is soon. Because God is faithful and his words will not go away. Jesus, in John chapter 16, verse 33, wrote these words. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Did he say some trials? Did he say some sorrows? A few trials, a few sorrows? No, you will have trials and sorrows. Guaranteed, 100%, it's going to happen. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So wherever you're at this week, wherever you're at in your life, facing this year, 2020, that we're running together, I encourage you to pick up God's text message to you. Words written thousands of years ago, but that ring truer with each passing day. They read and proclaim, I'm coming home. I'm coming back to get you. My return is soon. So the question for today, where are we now? We might be on the brink of the end. But the real question is, where are we placing our trust in the here and now? Placing our trust on the kingdoms of this earth that will fall away or on the one king, the savior of the world, who promised, guaranteed, signed, delivered that he is coming soon. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good deal to me. What a powerful message that Pastor Michael just preached. You know, as awesome as it is, it's also so scary. Our, our time is almost come to an end on the earth and it's a little bit hard to grasp that, if you know what I'm saying. I love how we talked about the fig tree and how the buds and the branches for summer. In the same way, whenever we see certain signs, it means Jesus is coming. But I love how we connect it to a fig tree because aren't buds and branches happy things? Aren't they positive? And it shows new life. So in the same way, as awful as these signs may be in our world and maybe for the lives we're living, I want to encourage you to look at these awful signs 
as signs of hope. They're actually positive things because it means that our Savior is returning home very soon. I want to encourage you and remind you to tune in on Thursday. I am so excited to be conversing with Pastor Michael about all of Matthew chapter 24 and specifically about the signs. And I am so, so excited. So I encourage you to tune in. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you Thursday. Thank you for listening. Elevate Retake is recorded weekly at Elevate, a community fellowship of Keene Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder. Sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our host is Taylor Weaver. Our team includes Evelyn Alanis, Candice McCormick, Simu Ciologa, Alicia Galvan, Emily Weaver, Zandria Andrade, Megan Metzner, and AJ Adams. Special thanks to 88.3 KJRN and the Keen Church Media Team. You can find Elevate on Instagram at thisiselevatetx. For more about Elevate Community Fellowship, visit thisiselevate.org. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time at thisiselevate.org forward slash live. We'd love to have you join us. There's always room for one more.